It's the, one of the greatest gifts of my life that I go back to all the time mentally is the nine weeks I was able to spend in the Holy Land to go to the places where Jesus himself walked, to go to the hill where he died and the tomb where he rose, to see the places that are described in the Holy Scriptures. It's something that I, I can't even truly describe how important and meaningful something like that is. And one of the greatest moments of my time in the Holy Land was in the cave in which Jesus was born. There is a church built on top of this cave that was built by Constantine. Constantine, the emperor of the Roman Empire in the early 300s AD. This church was built by Constantine. Now today, it's very sad. There is division in Christianity. And so the Greek Orthodox and the other Orthodox churches, they control the church, but the Catholic Church controls the cave. That's normally a point of sadness, except when you're a Catholic seminarian in the Holy Land, and the Franciscans know that you're seminarians, and the Franciscans who run this let you spend an hour in the cave all by yourself. So my seminary class got to spend an hour sitting in the place where Jesus was born. And most of my classmates arranged themselves to look at the spot of the birth. So there are two altars. One, the Orthodox altar, is over the spot where Jesus was born. The other, Catholic altar, it's called the altar of the Magi, where the Magi adored Jesus. And that's because that altar faces the manger. And my classmates just didn't pay enough attention to the manger. So I was in this little corner of this cave where the manger was, sitting on a little outcropping of rock. And I was thinking to myself, if I were the foster father of Jesus, and my wife had just given birth, she was probably sleeping, and this boy, this son that was just born, is in this manger, this is probably the rock that I would be sitting on to watch the boy. So I, I tell myself, and I think there's historical reason to believe this is true, I sat on the same rock as St. Joseph sat on. I looked at the same manger that held our Lord Jesus Christ. I was there. I saw it and I prayed at it. The Christmas story isn't just a story. It's not something that we tell ourselves. As far as stories go, it's a great one, right? If it were fabricated, it would have taken a genius author. The idea that God would become a human being to live with us, and not just become a human being instantly out of nowhere, but to be born, to be born, to be an infant, to grow and to learn. It's an incredible story. But it's impossibly more incredible when you realize this actually happened. These were real people. Mary was a real person who received the message of an angel 
who conceived a son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a real man who sat on that rock and looked at that manger. Jesus walked among us. Jesus ate our food, lived our lives, celebrated our customs. These were real people. And the reality doesn't change just because we are 2,000 years separated from them. The Holy Land has changed a lot. The rock I was sitting on, encased in marble, because humanity doesn't change, and for centuries, pilgrims would go to this cave and take a piece of rock with them, and the cave started to disappear over time, so they had to put marble on top of it so humans wouldn't take it anymore. Humanity has changed. I'm sorry. The Holy Land has changed, but humanity has stayed the same. We are still in desperate need of a Savior. We are born into a world that is full of sin, that is full of darkness. This liturgy, the Midnight Liturgy, it uses the images of lightness and darkness. As the prophet Isaiah says here, the people who walked in darkness, that's us. We walk in darkness. Humanity is no different now than it was 2,000 years ago. We continue to walk in darkness. But we have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. How many of us know that darkness? How many of us know that gloom? And how many of us are here tonight because we have received the message of the Savior, the light who has come into the world, Jesus Christ our Lord, a real man who walked among us, a real man that history knows, knows, existed, was real, had apostles, created a church. We were saved by that man. God came into our world. It would have been so easy after we turned our back on God in the Garden of Eden for him to give up on us, to wipe the slate, to start over. That's not what he did. He loves us so deeply and so desperately that the second that Adam and Eve turned their back on the Lord, he put into a place a plan for our salvation. He worked over the course of millennia to raise up a people through Abraham, to save them from slavery, and to constantly call them back to his covenant through the prophets. Every year, every decade, every century, the Lord was looking out for his people. He knew what needed to be done. He knew that we needed a Savior. And he knew, and we could never have imagined this, he knew that he would take upon himself human flesh, that he would be an infant in a manger, that he would be a toddler tripping over himself, that he would be a young man and a young adult. He knew that he would preach the gospel using human tongue, in human language. He knew that he wanted to live a human life, 
because of how desperately he loved us, how much he wanted to be with us, how incredibly he wanted to share with us everything that we are and everything that we experience, even up to the point of death. Even that, he said, I will not allow my people to be alone, even in that. The Lord took upon himself everything that we are. And even in his perfection, he took upon himself our sin. He didn't sin, but he took it upon himself because he didn't want us to be alone. So he took our sins to the cross so that we could be with him for all eternity. Yes, he wants to be with us in this darkness, in this gloom. In this broken and sinful world, He came down to us so that we could go and be with Him in perfect eternity. Imagine being a shepherd in the fields of Bethlehem, another place I am privileged to be able to picture in my mind. Being a shepherd in the fields of Bethlehem And having an angel announce to you that finally the struggle is over. Biblical scholars will tell you the reason shepherds are featured, and particularly in the Gospel of Luke, which always focuses on the poor and the marginalized, is because shepherds were to the ancient world sort of like how we think of homeless folks today. They were outside of society, unwashed, marginalized. They knew the gloom. They knew the darkness. And so the message of a Savior went to them first. It was to them that the Savior was preached. And it was they who were privileged to worship the Savior first. To come to Him in His humble beginnings. In this cave that was used to store animals. To go and to kneel with his mother and his foster father, and to receive the light that had finally come into the world. Imagine being that shepherd. Imagine knowing that the darkness was ended. That the hope, not just of you, not just of your parents, not just of your people, but the hope of the entire world was finally fulfilled. In your time, to have lived in that generation... How blessed they were. But we are equally blessed because the Lord has not abandoned us. He died, He rose, He ascended into heaven, but He ascended so that He could be with us just as powerfully today. The light comes into the darkness again every year. The light comes into the darkness again Every day, the Lord has not stopped wanting to be with you as desperately as He wanted to be with us in our humanity. That desire has never gone away. He continues to come to us daily, hourly, every moment, in so many ways. The shepherds were doing their job How many times has the Lord knocked on your door in the middle of the workday to remind you that He's there? 
How many times have we felt the pull and the prompting of prayer in times when we didn't expect Him? Because He wanted to be with us in that moment. How many of us in this church today have stories of darkness into which the light has entered? Wherever there is darkness, the light wishes to enter. Wherever there is gloom, there is the message of hope. The Lord deeply desires to be with us. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Lord desires to be with us in such a powerful way that not only did He take upon Himself human flesh, but He also gives Himself to us in the form of bread and wine, turned into His body and blood, every Sunday, every day, if we want it. He humbled Himself to take upon Himself our nature. How much more humble is He that He would be in the appearance of food, the creator of the universe, here, on this altar, in bread and wine. It's not lost on the sacramental imagination that in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread. What meaning could that possibly have had to the Jewish people? Why would the, the Savior of the world be born in the house of bread? But we know. We know the fact that the Lord was placed in a manger, you're not up on your French, a manger comes from the word to eat. It's the thing that animals ate out of. The fact that the Lord was placed in a manger, in an eating trough, is a prefiguration of the bread of life that we eat every Sunday, every day, that we receive whenever we want Him to be with us. My friends, it is scandalous. It is scandalous that God should enter our reality. The Creator of the universe, the One who is all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal and perfect, the fact that He should come into this world that is sinful and corrupted and broken, it feels like it should somehow dirty him that he should be with us. And yet, it did nothing to him, but it elevated us. Our humanity now knows a dignity that we could never have imagined because, because God became man, now we can be like God. How could we have ever have imagined that? How could the shepherds have known that? But that's the message. The darkness has been overcome. The light has made himself known to us in our midst, then as now and now as then. As the angel says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. There is no greater news. There is no greater joy. And there is no greater salvation for all people. The Lord has desired to be with us for our salvation. Come, let us adore Him.